This is Front Page. We here at Front Page, we do our best to dig out the truth and bring it to you. Hello, all you freedom-loving people. Welcome to Front Page Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Cameron Goulet. In the classified documents case, it turns out that Joe Biden revoked President Trump's executive privilege, and this is what opened the door for President Trump to be subpoenaed. And Jack Smith has purposefully arranged this case in Florida and the election case in D.C. so that President Trump's lawyers could not be in both places at the same time, but Judge Cannon can see through this facade. Nancy Pelosi let the House of Representatives know that she has now been subpoenaed to provide documents in a criminal case in California. Elon Musk again went after George Soros in an interview with Joe Rogan, renewing his claim that Soros hates humanity. Chinese people are fleeing China's devastated economy, and they are coming in droves through the southern border while the door is still wide open. They even learn exactly how to make the journey on TikTok from China to Ecuador to across the open border. Okay, let's get into it. On Wednesday, President Trump's lawyers attended a hearing in Fort Pierce, Florida. The hearing was on whether Judge Cannon would agree to postpone the classified documents trial. The trial is currently scheduled for May of 2024, and Judge Cannon signaled that she may postpone President Trump's trial. According to Julie Kelly, who attended the hearing, Judge Cannon also admonished one of Jack Smith's prosecutors. Kelly reported that President Trump's lawyers told Judge Cannon that they discovered a June 2023 letter asking the DOE to remove President Trump's active security clearance. This was a few weeks after Jack Smith handed down the classified documents indictment. President Trump's lawyers also told Judge Cannon that they have evidence that the Biden White House collaborated with NARA, the DOJ, and intelligence agencies. This was to determine which documents to include in Jack Smith's indictment. President Trump's attorneys claimed that they have evidence of extensive communications between the White House, NARA, intelligence agencies, the DOJ, and Jack Smith before the indictment to determine which classified files to include. Another bombshell news item from Wednesday's hearing is that President Trump's lawyers have not seen any underlying evidence to back up claims that the 340 classified documents that were allegedly reviewed by Jack Smith are even classified. According to Julie Kelly, Jack Smith told the judge that the classified review of 340 or so documents had been completed. However, the defense said that they have memos confirming the material is classified per Intel review, but they have no underlying evidence to support the claim, just the memos. In addition, according to the memos that were reviewed by investigative reporter John Solomon, the White House worked directly with the DOJ and NARA to facilitate the investigation into President Trump's handling of documents. However, Joe Biden's spokesperson has repeatedly stated that Biden had no knowledge of the raid and that he found out about it on the news. And now, according to the memos, the White House initiated the criminal investigation by eliminating President Trump's executive privilege claims. Joe Biden 
revoked President Trump's executive privilege and he opened the door for President Trump to be subpoenaed. The subpoena then opened the door for the DOJ to charge President Trump with federal crimes. On May 10th, 2022, Deborah Steedle Wall, the acting National Archivist, sent a letter to President Trump's lawyers revealing that the Biden White House was involved in the investigation. According to John Solomon, within two weeks of Deborah Steedle Wall's letter to President Trump's lawyers, the DOJ sent a grand jury subpoena to President Trump's counsel. This subpoena demanded that President Trump return the documents that were stored at Mar-a-Lago. Shortly after President Trump was subpoenaed, the Fed showed up at Mar-a-Lago and they retrieved some of the documents. They also asked President Trump to add an extra lock to the storage locker. Two months later, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago and they searched through President Trump's belongings without allowing his lawyers in the area. In November of 2022, shortly after the Mar-a-Lago raid, Jack Smith was appointed special counsel to investigate the documents that were stored at President Trump's Florida residence. Eventually, in June of 2023, President Trump was indicted on 37 counts that are related to Jack Smith's classified documents case. According to a leak to ABC News on Tuesday, President Trump and his attorneys visited a sensitive compartmented information facility in order to review classified material that is related to Jack Smith's case. This was ahead of Wednesday's hearing. Last month, President Trump's attorneys, Chris Keiss and Todd Blanchet, accused Jack Smith's prosecutors of using dilatory tactics to slow roll the discovery process. They also accused Jack Smith of taking too long to turn over evidence. Blanchet and Kais said that the May trial date makes the schedule unworkable. Trump's lawyers wrote last month that on July 18, 2023, the special counsel's office represented to the court that all discovery would be available on day one. Blanchet and Kais also said that Jack Smith's Florida classified documents case that is set for May 20 and his separate March 4th DC trial require President Trump and his lawyers to be in two places at once. President Trump's lawyers wrote that the March 4th, 2024 trial date in the District of Columbia and the underlying schedule in that case currently require President Trump and his lawyers to be in two places at once and months after the office's representation to the court, discovery is not complete in this case, including with respect to classified documents at issue in more than 25% of the Espionage Act counts in the superseding indictment. Obviously, Jack Smith had planned this from the beginning. Jack Smith intended to make it impossible for President Trump's lawyers to navigate between Washington, D.C. and Florida. However, now Judge Cannon raised concern that the defense team wouldn't be able to complete trial preparations between now and the spring while they handle other cases for President Trump and have a full trial schedule. Cannon noted, I'm having a hard time seeing how this work can be accomplished realistically in this period of time. Cannon told DOJ prosecutor Jay Bratt, who asked to keep the trial date schedule as is, 
I'm not seeing in your position a level of understanding to these realities. Elon Musk has renewed his criticism of George Soros. Musk once again claimed that George Soros, the big ticket donor to various left-leaning causes, fundamentally hates humanity and undermines civilization. Musk made the remarks in an October 31st Joe Rogan podcast. In the interview, Musk pointed to Soros and his history of donating money to the election campaigns of progressive district attorneys who would pursue policies that are soft on crime. He, he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. In my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco and L.A. and much of other cities. Musk said that Soros realized the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. Um, so he's, he's good at spotting, uh, basically arbitrage, like spotting value for money that other people don't see. So uh, one of the things he noticed was that, in, it, it, that, that the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So the lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress, and then. But once you get to sort of city and state district attorneys, um, the value for money is extremely good. Musk said Soros found that by electing local officials with left-leaning views, Soros was able to push policies without actually changing laws. And uh, Soros realized that you don't actually need to change the laws. You just need to change how they're enforced. If nobody chooses to enforce the law or the laws are differentially enforced, it's like changing the laws. That's what, he, that's what he figured out. Using San Francisco as an example, Musk described what is happening now. While I, I think San Francisco is a beautiful city and, and we should really fight hard to um, kind of right the ship of San Francisco, if you've walked around downtown San Francisco, right near the ex-FKA Twitter headquarters. It's a zombie apocalypse. I mean, it's rough. Have you, have you been, been in that area? Not lately. No. Yeah. I've heard. It's crazy. I've heard it's crazy. I've heard you, you really can't believe it until you actually go there. You can't believe it until you go there. The streets of downtown San Francisco paint a shocking picture of the fentanyl crisis with ubiquitous drug use while homeless encampments and vagrancy spread throughout the city. Videos circulating on social media from San Francisco this summer show graphic addiction scenes. These scenes include a pregnant woman with gashes and open wounds giving birth on the sidewalk while clutching a drug pipe. Musk said of the scenes on the streets of San Francisco, it's the end of civilization. Musk added that the reason he bought Twitter was because he worried it was having a corrosive effect on civilization. Musk then said, what's partly to blame is a mind virus philosophy, which he previously called a woke mind virus. The woke mind virus is being piped to people across the world by social media platforms that are controlled by left-leaning types. That philosophy was being piped to Earth. So, um you know, a philosophy that would be ordinarily quite niche and geographically constrained so that the sort of the fallout 
uh, area would be limited, um, was effectively given an information a weapon, um, a te- uh, inf- information technology weapon to propagate uh, what is essentially a mind virus to the rest of Earth. Um, and the outcome of that mind virus is very clear if you walk around the streets of downtown San Francisco. It is the end of civilization. And it's not just uh, propagating the mind virus, but suppressing any opposing viewpoints. Yes. Well, in order for the virus to propagate, it must suppress opposing viewpoints. So, Because it doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Correct. On November 1st, officials announced that former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had been subpoenaed in a third-party criminal case in California. On Wednesday, the reading clerk for the House of Representatives, Tylees Ali, read a lengthy message from Nancy Pelosi in the chamber. The message informed the House of the subpoena about the California case. Ali said, This is to notify you formally pursuant to Rule 8 of the Rules of the House of Representatives that I, the Honorable Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Emerita, and U.S. Representative for the 11th Congressional District of California have been served with third-party subpoenas from the prosecution and the defense to produce documents in a criminal case in United States District Court for the Northern District of California. She added, after consultation with the Office of General Counsel, I've determined that compliance with subpoenas is consistent with the privileges and rights of the House to the extent it requires production of non-privileged information. The responses to the subpoenas will be identical. Ali did not provide further details regarding the case in which Pelosi was subpoenaed. Pelosi's subpoena comes as the trial is set to begin for David DePape. He is the Canadian citizen who allegedly attacked Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, inside their San Francisco home last year. DePape has pleaded not guilty to all charges and he is set to be on trial on November 9th and Nancy Pelosi is scheduled to testify during the second week of the trial on November 13th. The U.S. border is flooded with Chinese nationals as migrant caravans from Latin America increasingly attract asylum seekers from around the world. Over the 2023 fiscal year, which ended in September, U.S. Customs and Border Protection reported that more than 24,000 Chinese citizens were arrested at the Mexican border. That's more than 10 times the 1,970 arrests that were recorded during the 2022 fiscal year. And in 2021, it was only 323. This was because China had strict travel restrictions and lockdowns due to the pandemic. While Latin America remains the largest immigration source, Chinese migrants as well as migrants from the Eastern Hemisphere are a significant source of migrants who use the southern border to enter the United States. Chinese people were the fourth highest nationality after Venezuelans, Ecuadorians and Haitians crossing the borders during the first nine months of this year. Border Patrol arrested nearly 42,000 Indian migrants who crossed from Mexico in 2023. This was up 129% from the previous year, and a total of nearly 7,400 Russians were captured, which is 42% more than before. And there were also more than 15,000 Turks detained, which was roughly the same as last year. In total, 
the Border Patrol arrested more than 2,045,000 migrants at illegal crossing points on the southern border. Nearly 430,000 were expelled at ports of entry. This is the highest annual total on record. The influx of migrants from China follow years of severe pandemic restrictions in that country. These restrictions plunged the economy into disarray and shattered confidence in the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. Chinese asylum seekers said that they are seeking to escape an increasingly authoritarian government and dire economic prospects. Why did you decide to come to America? Yearning for American freedom. In fact, the Chinese exodus rose dramatically in 2018 when Xi Jinping amended the constitution to remove his presidential term limit. However, the pandemic and the CCP's COVID-19 policies temporarily stemmed the exodus from the country. Now the exodus has resumed because China's economy is struggling to rebound and youth unemployment is soaring. Chinese immigrants use the Darien Gap route on the southern border. This is because they can fly into Ecuador without a visa. From Quito, they join Latin Americans to travel through the once impenetrable Darien Gap and they cross several Central American countries before reaching the U.S. border. The journey is so well known that it has its own name in Chinese. It's called Walk the Line or Xiaoxian. Short video platforms like TikTok and messaging apps have popularized the route. They provide on-the-ground video clips and step-by-step -step guides from China to the U.S. The videos include tips on what to pack, where to find guides, how to survive the jungle, and which hotels to stay at. The videos even explain how much to bribe police with in different countries and what to do when encountering U.S. immigration officers. A Twitter post from a Chinese immigrant, Li Gaga, said that smugglers mark the location of U.S. Border Patrol agents on maps and then they advise immigrants on how to surrender to them. Li Gaga later said that he was now in New York after a 37-day journey. The Twitter post went on to say, I was released only after three days and three nights. I got lucky because the border policy has been good lately. Okay, this is our podcast for today. Thank you again for listening to Front Page Podcast. For more exclusive in-depth content, please go to frontpageshow.com.